Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part series, I visit with Jesse Kaplan, the Managing Director of Corporate Oversight at Affiliated Monitors, in a series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring. We take up the opioid crisis, focusing on prescribing opioids, regulatory and compliance risks, the identifying and mitigating risks around opioid prescribing. We consider the expanded use of an independent monitor in healthcare regulatory situations. Then we take a look at it from the independent integrity monitoring of healthcare organizations and systems. And finally, we conclude with using independent integrity assessments and monitoring to limit adverse consequences of compliance violations. This five-part series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, and it is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. In our prior episode, we considered how independent monitoring can serve important public policy goals in the healthcare industry. In this episode four, we discuss examples of independent monitoring involving healthcare organizations or systems going forward. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back again with Jesse Kaplan, Managing Director of Corporate Oversight and Affiliated Monitors. In episode four of our five-part exploration of emerging issues in healthcare compliance and monitoring. Today, we take up the issue of independent integrity monitoring of healthcare organizations and systems. Jesse, uh, first of all, uh, welcome back. Thank you. My pleasure. So, Jesse, in some prior episodes, you explained or rather gave us examples of healthcare regulatory agencies, uh, State uh, Department of Health imposed independent monitoring requirements on hospitals who had patient safety issues. Today, I wanted to see if you could speak a little bit more about health, how healthcare organizations and the agencies that regulate them are using monitoring in connection with significant business transactions as opposed to uh, the cudgel of a loss, law enforcement, or even disciplinary proceedings. Yeah, I'd be happy to, Tom. So, you know, healthcare transactions like acquisitions, mergers, nonprofit conversions, and even uh, capital improvements by hospitals and hospital systems are subject to regulatory oversight and scrutiny that may be more intense than in other industries. Uh, For example, major capital improvements to hospitals are often subject to a state certificate of need or determination of need approval. 
Uh, not-for-profit hospitals that seek to convert to for-profit, often as part of a merger or acquisition transaction, are likely to face scrutiny and require approval by those agencies that regulate and oversee both their licensing and their charities functions. And, and typically, that's a state Department of Health and a state Attorney General's office. And mergers or acquisitions of hospitals or health insurance companies, or even in some cases, physician practices can be subject to antitrust scrutiny, both by state authorities, like a, like a state attorney general's office, and possibly federal review by the Department of Justice or the Federal Trade Commission. So in each of these healthcare transactions, the government agencies are not seeking to address compliance violations or the, you know, the cudgel of a law enforcement action, like you said. Uh, but in most of these matters, the healthcare organization, you know, is not doing anything wrong. But these transactions are likely to impact the structure and dynamics of the local healthcare market. And the regulators have both the authority and the objective of ensuring that those impacts are positive for the local healthcare marketplace. Uh, the government's healthcare regulators and policymakers will want to ensure that the transaction, number one, improves the quality of healthcare, number two, increases access to healthcare, particularly for people uh, for vulnerable and underserved communities, uh, and that uh, it does so efficiently. So, in order to withstand government review and get the approvals required, the healthcare organizations entering into these types of transactions often offer up representations, they make concessions, uh, they agree to make investments and improvements, uh, 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 all actions designed to address the state's concerns and objectives. And the state regulators themselves will often seek to impose additional conditions or requirements on the transacting uh, healthcare organization to address the state's public policy objectives. So whenever you have conditions being imposed or being offered as a prerequisite you know, for approval of a healthcare transaction or, or a conversion, uh, there's going to be a need to have someone monitoring whether those conditions are being effectively implemented and sustained. So the government agencies could do the monitoring themselves, but as we've discussed in one of the earlier episodes, Tom, you know, that requires resources that are not always readily available to the government agency. So we find that a better alternative will often be that the regulators and the healthcare organizations both agree to an independent monitoring firm to oversee that the conditions, investments, improvements are being timely and effectively imp implemented. In these matters, the independent monitor, you know, is basically an extender for the government, but is being paid for by the healthcare, healthcare organization. Uh, and maybe, you know, one of the the, the linchpins to getting this transaction uh, approved and then consummated. So, Jesse, I often talk about uh, a business response to compliance, or rather a business response to the laws, such as the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act in your field, uh, obviously uh, laws relating to both patient safety and indeed uh, opioid prescription. And it seems to me that uh, this solution you have articulated of an independent uh, monitoring and independent assessment is almost a business solution to a legal problem. And here it's the legal problem of uh, opioid over uh, prescription. But I'm struck of how close or, or how this is really a market solution uh, to both a legal problem and a business problem. Would, would that be a fair uh, characterization? 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. You know, and I've heard you say, you know, uh, you know, uh, good compliance is good business. And I think this, this uh, is in the same vein. Uh, so, uh, you know, here in, in a case where, uh, where and we're talking, you know, if we're talking specifically about healthcare transactions, you know, here's a situation where the, uh, the business wants to get these transactions approved. Uh, they've agreed to make concessions. Uh, but the big issue for the regulator who needs to approve the transaction is how are they going to make sure that the organization follows through? And, you know, if the organization can either propose or at least agree to having an independent monitor take on the responsibility of monitoring that those conditions uh, are, going to, uh, are going to come to fruition... Uh, and report to the government that can uh, that can provide the the comfort uh, to the government agency to approve the transaction uh, that they that, that way they have comfort that they're looking out for the public interest and it also could be then the means by how these organizations can get that transaction approved and then consummated. Hope that answers your question. You know, it does, Jesse. And the other thing that struck me is uh, having heard you on several podcasts now talk about an independent monitor in the healthcare uh, arena. It's not simply there to represent the regulator. The independent monitor is there to assess. The independent monitor there is there to uh, perhaps make recommendations and help the company move towards not only uh complying with whatever rule and regulation that may be the issue, but also helping them to have a more robust compliance program in place uh, in all areas of healthcare. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to kind of give an example of kind of the business uh, benefit to organizations. So, for instance, uh, you're seeing, we're seeing the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission uh, using uh, independent monitors uh, in approving uh, major transactions that might otherwise uh, uh, not get approved or, or uh, be deemed a uh, yeah, problematic issue. So, for instance, uh, in the recent uh, acquisition or merger of CVS and Aetna, which uh, probably read about uh, that, uh, that occurred last year, uh, the Department of Justice approved the merger of CVS and Aetna uh, but required that there be certain divestitures of, of business of uh, Aetna's, in fact, it was Aetna's Medicare individual uh, prescription drug plan business. Uh, and, but in order to ensure that that divestiture uh, would occur as uh, contemplated uh, and would result in an effective competitive alternative to the MERS entity, uh, the Department of Justice required uh, that uh, CVS and Aetna engage a independent monitor, what they call a monitoring trustee, uh, to uh, make sure that that divestiture went through as contemplated, as I mentioned. Uh, and so, uh, obviously, this was a very big, and it still hasn't yet been approved, as, as far as I understand, the, the merger. Uh, but in order to get that approved, uh, the DOJ, you know, required this independent monitoring or monitoring trustee. And if that works out, this will be a major business, you know, uh, success 
uh, for the merged entities, as well as uh, for the public interest. Uh, I see uh, monitoring in, uh, we've talked about it really from the business perspective, and you've uh, certainly talked about it from the uh, conversion or transactional uh, arena, but how about if we brought in, uh, what would be uh, the impact of an independent monitor just to come in and do an assessment for a corporation that just wants to see sort of where they are uh, at this point with their own policies and procedures? Yeah, so that's a great question, and uh, and we probably need more time than we have for this episode to talk a lot about it. But uh, but yeah, we have we're doing more and more what we call proactive assessments of the com- ethics and compliance programs of organizations, and particularly in the healthcare field. And what that does is uh, it provides a company with an independent, uh, uh, basically kicking of the tires of their program. Uh, we're often engaged underprivileged, so it really is uh, confidential. It's really just for the company's uh, benefit, uh, and it can help them then identify the, the both, as I mentioned, the strengths, but also the gaps in their ethics and compliance program. And if they then remediate those gaps, they're in good shape if and when you know the there's a compliance problem that that occurs or a compliance violation that occurs in the future. And the idea there is uh, they, uh, they hopefully will be able to then persuade a regulator that when they do have a compliance violation, that that violation is a one-off. It might be a rogue employee, and it is not indicative of any problems with their ethics and compliance program. In fact, if they can tell the regulator, we had an independent third party come in, look at our compliance program, make recommendations. We've addressed those recommendations. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, if we had a problem, it's not, you know, it, you you, sh- you can be lenient with us because uh, we're actually have, uh, we're actually have a strong culture of compliance and a strong program. And, and, in, and we've had cases where uh, organizations have used those independent assessments to just that purpose and, and with a successful outcome. So, Jesse, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I ask you that question because I want to set up tomorrow's fifth and final podcast, which is using independent integrity assessments and monitoring to limit the adverse consequences of a compliance violation. And as you suggest, we're going to take a deeper dive into it in a separate episode. So I look forward to continuing the conversation in our next episode. Sounds great. Thanks, Tom. This is Tom Fox. I hope you enjoyed this episode in our five-part exploration of emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring. Also, I hope you will check out our sponsor's website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you will join us again for another episode. This five-part podcast series on emerging issues in healthcare compliance and independent monitoring is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.